770. And as Rebbe would leave the shul every Saturday night, we wish the Rebbe a good vach. And one week with Matzai Shabbos, the 19th of Kislev, which is Rosh Hashanah for Hasidim, instead of wishing the Rebbe a good week, uh, he should have probably wished him a good yantiv because it's it is Kislev. So he wished the Rebbe a good vach, and Rebbe looked at him and said, a good yantiv. So I feel the same tonight, although it's the end of Shabbos, and usually wish each other a good vach, but tonight is not only the uh, beginning of a new week, tonight is also the birthday of the Rebbe. And therefore, it's not just a good vach, it's also a good yantif. I want to share with you actually uh, tonight two stories. One story about Shemtiv, and one story about the Rebbe. There was a Jew named uh, Eli Balkin. Eli Balkin lived about 100 years ago. And he read a lot of Tanakh, he read a lot, a lot of the stories about the prophets. And he decided that there must be someone in every generation who is Moses of the generation. Find out who that is. So he learned a lot, he heard a lot of great things about the Baal Shem Tev. So he went to the caver, he went to the resting place of the Baal Shem Tev in Mezhavush. And there at the caver of the Baal Shem Tev, he davened that he should be able to meet the tzaddik of the generation. He wanted to meet the tzaddik of the generation. Who better to ask than the Baal Shem Tev? So he went to the cave of the Baal Shem Tev, and he davened there at the cave of the Baal Shem Tev. And he was davening for a very long time, and he was putting, putting his heart out, and he was davening for so long until he simply fainted. And he, as he, when he fainted, he had a dream. And Baal Shem Tev came to him in a dream, and he said to him, that you're looking for the attack of the generation, to find the attack of the generation, you must travel to Leningrad. Okay? He traveled to Leningrad, and in Leningrad he asked people, hey, does anybody know who the tzaddik of the generation is? And people said, well, there's a great tzaddik in town named the previous Lavacher Rebbe. Go visit the previous Lavacher Rebbe, maybe he could help you. So he visited the previous Rebbe, and he asked the previous Rebbe if his, his dream of Baal Shem Tev is accurate. The, the Baal Shem Tev said he should visit the Tzadik generation by going to Leningrad. That's what he saw in his dream. What does this mean? So the previous Rebbe said to him, go to Neville. Neville is a Hasidic town. And he went to this town of Neville and he met a lot of Hasidim there and he lived there and he actually a chassid of the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe to the extent he was such a close chassid that when the previous Rebbe was arrested for spreading Torah in Russia, it was Eli Balkin who was one of the people that was instrumental in, in the efforts to free the Rebbe. There's a middle. Where'd you go? There's a middle. Want to go on my lap? Okay. So that's the first story of Baal Shem Tev. I also want to share a story. Tonight's the birthday of the Rebbe. I want to share with you a very, very powerful story of the Rebbe that I heard from Rabbi Krasniansky from Melbourne, Australia. I heard directly from him. It's an incredible story. And I think about the story every year on the Rebbe's birthday. It's an amazing story. Rabbi Krasniansky was in New York a few years ago for his sister's wedding. And one of the people who were playing music, actually the leader of the band, went over to Rabbi Krasniansky and he says, hi, my name is Shlomo. 
And our band never comes to this part of New York to play music for any reason. But this, no matter what the price is, we won't come. But we came to this wedding because I heard that the bride's name is Krasniansky. And why is that special to me? Let me tell you. He said that many years ago, you don't remember me, but I was a camper in your bunk. Rabbi Krasniansky was a counselor in camp in Gan Yisrael, in Gan Israel, in upstate New York. And one of his campers was this boy, Shlomo. Shlomo was from a Persian family, very traditional family. And they weren't religious, but very traditional. And in the nine weeks that Shlomo was in this man's bunk, Shlomo decided to become religious. He wanted to be like his counselor. He wanted to be like everyone else in camp. He wanted to keep Shabbos, wanted to keep kosher, like, like his counselor. And camp is over, and he's now back with his family in Queens, and they aren't keeping Shabbos, they aren't keeping kosher. And he called up his counselor, he says, I want to keep my kosher, I want to keep Shabbos, what should I do? And his counselor says, let me give you advice, this is what you should do. This is, and, he, and he kept on encouraging him and giving him advice, what should he do with his family if, if everyone went to the beach on Saturday? What should he do if everyone, everyone went to the movies? And he kept on encouraging him and guiding him and telling him, how to keep Shabbos, how to keep kosher during this time when his family wasn't keeping Shabbos and kosher. But eventually, Rabbi Krasiansky was sent by the Rebbe to join a yeshiva in Argentina. Hey, Rose, don't press that button. And when the yeshiva in Argentina, so he was no longer able to, um, he's no longer able to give his Shlomo encouragement, they lost that connection. So Shlomo got older, and he went to college, and in college, he became friendly with a Christian girl became so friendly with her that they decided that she decided that let's get married. And Shlomo was hesitant about getting married to someone who wasn't Jewish. Very, wasn't, his family wasn't that religious, but they were very traditional and they were very dedicated to being Jewish. And he thought of a plan of how to refuse this Christian girl. He'll tell the girl, hey, let's go speak to my parents. Let's go tell my parents how we want to get engaged. He was hoping that when he went to the par his parents, his parents would be so shocked, his parents would be so upset that his parents would say, Chas Shalom, God forbid, don't marry this girl. But that's not what happened. He brought the girl to his parents' house. When they came to his parents' house, instead of his parents being upset, his parents went to the Christian girl and to him, and they said, thank you so much for sharing the good news. Mazel tov. May it be an auspicious hour. We're so happy that you have found someone Shlomo. And Shlomo didn't have the wherewithal to refuse this girl after his parents had given the blessing. So Shlomo knew it was a wrong thing to marry this girl. On the other hand, he also knew that it was hard for him to, uh, it was hard for him to uh, say no. So he said yes, and they got engaged. They set the wedding date for two years from the day they got engaged. In the interim, Shlomo's grandfather died. Shlomo's grandfather died in the mid 80s, late 80s. And Shlomo's grandfather left just for Shlomo $1 million. He was very wealthy. And his beloved grandson Shlomo got from him in his will $1 million. So this fiance of his said to Shlomo, Shlomo, you know what? You have a million dollars. Let's try to invest this. Let's start a business together. Great idea. So Shlomo and his fiance started a business. And one day, Shlomo comes back to the house where they were living. And as he walked in the home, 
he suddenly had this sense of dread because everything was gone, everything. The only thing that was left in the house was his clothing. Everything else was taken. And he realized instantly that he had lost everything. He had lost God and Torah a long time ago. He had lost his beloved fiance. He had lost his money. He had lost everything. And he was so dejected and so upset that he felt like killing himself. But he called up his parents. He hoped his parents, you know, would give him some, some encouragement. Call up mom and dad, mom and dad, you know what happened? My fiance, should we invest the money in this business? And she just left. She took everything with her. So his parents said to Shlomo, it's your fault. You were mean to her. You weren't nice to her. It's all because of you. If you would be nice to her, she would have stayed with you. It's all your fault. And, and, and we're not supporting you. Uh, this was the last straw for Shlomo. This Shlomo was like, you know, he doesn't have it. now his, even his parents don't support him. So Shlomo felt really like killing himself. But killing yourself in the 80s isn't like killing yourself in 2020. Instead of going on Google and figuring out the best way to kill himself, Shlomo went to the Brooklyn Public Library and he took out some books on suicide. And he was sitting in the library reading books about suicide, thinking about what the best way he can kill himself. As he's reading these books, Shlomo has this memory. What happened was he remembered that after camp was over, his counselor, Abi Krasniansky, had arranged for his entire bunk, all the boys in the camp, to visit the rabbi for Simchas Torah. And he remembered how in the whole night in Simchas Torah, they were dancing, they were singing for a whole night on this bench. And after Simchas Torah was over, the entire bunk had a private audience with the rabbi. He remembers how special that felt. He remembers how, how, how special it was being with the Rebbe and Rebbe looking at him and he listening to him. And he decided before he's going to do anything rash, he's going to visit the Rebbe one more time and talk to the Rebbe. But visiting the Rebbe then was different than visiting the Rebbe years before. When he visited the Rebbe before, he had a private audience and he could talk. But in the 80s, the Rebbe would give out dollars every Sunday. Every person would pass by and the person had with the Rebbe barely a second. So Shlomo didn't know that. He thought they'll go to the Rebbe and ask for a bracha, ask for advice, and figure out a gudvach, what's maxtum? They'll figure out what to do. Uh, the Rebbe will give him advice. So he waited on the dollar line and waited for several hours, hoping to have a moment with the Rebbe and explain to the Rebbe what's going on, what the issues are, and why he needs advice and, and how terrible his life is and he needs help. So he came to the Rebbe and he's waiting online for hours. And during this time, he's waiting online. You know that girl, Razor Mill? You know who that is? While he's waiting online, he is thinking, how is, going to how is he going to compress his whole life story into two minutes? He's thinking he's going to have two minutes with the Rebbe. How is he going to put his whole life story into two minutes? But he can't think of anything. And, but after a while, he's there for hours. He figures out what he's going to say in two minutes. But as he approached the Rebbe, he got closer, the line switched from the men to the women. The women started to go by. And he saw that you don't have a two minutes with the Rebbe, you have barely a second with the Rebbe. The Rebbe says, bracha v'atzlacha, gives you a dollar, and you go. So what's he going to do? He has only a second. But as he's waiting there, he's thinking about something to say, he, he has an idea. I know what I'm going to say. I know what I'm going to say. The line goes on, the women are going past the Rebbe, the women are filing by, and now... Men start going. It's his turn. But as happened to many people, it happened to him. Being in the Rebbe's presence, seeing the Rebbe face to face, look, Rebbe, look, Rebbe's blue eyes looking at him, you couldn't say anything. The Rebbe gave him a dollar. The Rebbe said, Baruch 
And that was it. And he left the Rebbe's presence and he was heartbroken because he had lost his chance. This was the one thing he wanted to do in this world before killing himself. And now nothing happened. But then Rabbi Groner, called him back. Rabbi Groner says, the Rebbe's calling you back. He goes back to the Rebbe. The Rebbe gives him another dollar. The Rebbe says to him, this is for a new beginning. He realized that this, what the Rebbe meant was, very simply, the Rebbe saw everything that had happened to him. And the Rebbe said, telling him, you're going to have a new beginning. Don't look at the fact that, the, that your fiancé left. Don't look at the, about the, about the fact that you lost a million dollars. Don't look at the fact that you left your Judaism and your Shabbos and your kosher for so many years. Don't look at all that. Now it's time for a new beginning. Now it's time for things to start over again. And he, and he heard that deeply into his heart. It really meant a lot to him. And he went into the little shul upstairs in 77, and he sat down on a bench, and he started to cry. He started to cry like he never cried before, going through his whole life, and, and he just was, 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 you know, it was overwhelming. And he told Rabbi Krasiansky that as I was sitting there, and as I was crying, who did I see? I saw you. Because Rabbi Krasiansky, although he lives in Melbourne, another of his sisters was getting married then in 1988. And when, he, when Rabbi Krasiansky, uh, came into the, into the little shul, he says, you looked at me and you recognized me, but you didn't say hello to me because you saw I was just overwhelmed. I couldn't speak at all. I was also overwhelmed. But me seeing you, me just seeing you, you the guy who brought me into the Yiddish guy, you the one who taught me about Torah, taught me about Shabbos, taught me about kosher, me seeing you at that moment in my life when the Rebbe told me I'll have a new beginning, that brought it home for me that I indeed will have a new beginning. Things will start over again. And he said that gave him the strength, telling this story to Rabbi Krasiansky at the wedding, that gave him the strength to, to become observant in Shabbos and kosher again and to start over again. And to, indeed to have a new beginning. And he started this band to do something for Yidin, for Yiddishkeit, keeping Shabbos, keeping kosher. And that's what he does till this day. It's a band, spreads music, making people happy. A new beginning. I think about the story, especially in, on the, tonight, 11th of Nisan. Tonight is the night when just like when Moshe Rabbeinu was born, that Shama came in the world and the house came full of light, so too tonight is a night when Hashem gave us the Rebbe. Hashem sent to the world the Neshama of the Rebbe. And every year in the 11th of Nisan, the light of this Neshama, the light that the world experiences is Mayim Bakaydish, is greater, greater than ever before. And we're empowered, Mazali Gaver, with a Mazal of this day to go beyond whatever we were before, have a new beginning to start over. And to have a and to prepare for Pesach, the true sense of freedom. May Hashem help all of us, each of us, and all of us that we should prepare for Pesach with a sense of joy and gladness of heart and freedom from all disturbances. We shouldn't just see a flattening of the curve. We shouldn't just have the coronavirus be something of history. We should see the emes, the truth of, the, of Hashem, Echad Ushmeachad, in the whole world, the card of Mamish, the Bias Mashiach. A good Tavach, everybody. Thank you. Good to work. Good work. Good work. Good work. Good work. Good work. Thank you. 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 Thank you.